Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Good morning to you. It is a dull morning, but it is going to clear up and our lines are open. Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning. 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email across the morning jp at c103.ie or indeed you can tweet us at c103cork. Ahead on the programme this morning and something that we saw online across last weekend out of Dublin was the crowds of people drinking on the streets and people were questioning the social distancing and worried about that as people now can travel across the country. Well, it seems 26 pubs could be prosecuted for breaching COVID-19 regulations and these are licensed premises which were found to be flouting guidelines after Gardaí carried out almost 7,000 checks last weekend. And it seems in some cases Gardaí found customers drinking alcohol and they were not eating any food, which was uh, the law uh, whereby if you were sitting in a particular bar serving food, you had to order food uh, to enable you to have a drink. Anyhow, seemingly people weren't. And while in other cases then there was large groups at tables with little or no social distancing, uh, there was uh, 26 pubs and they could be prosecuted for breaching those regulations. Now, a lot of people this morning on text and WhatsApp so far are asking how are the Gardaí expected to go along and enforce these regulations and go back to earlier in the week when police out of London said that they are going to find this impossible. They basically came out and said, we just cannot police drunk people. And there's one of the examples. Uh, if people have drink, social distancing will go out the window. Anyhow, because of all of this, uh, rural TDs, now they want separate rules for rural and indeed urban bars following the scenes from Dublin and following what's coming out this morning in the news. Uh, uh, there's a, a perception out there that it's happening everywhere in the country when it seems to be at the moment, there's no evidence it's happened anywhere else outside of Dublin. There's no evidence showing that these particular pubs that are 
uh, that, that could be prosecuted or even in Dublin as well. Uh, but because of that and because so many areas of Ireland depend on tourism, depend on people coming and maybe having, uh, even just calling into a, a local bar uh, the way they're set in rural areas just to see what the setup is like. Uh, they might not even have a drink, uh, but it's just socialising in a way when people are driving around uh, on their holidays and having staycations and all of that. Uh, the local TDs and local rural TDs want a separate law now and separate rules uh, for rural pubs and urban bars because they said for your local rural bar, and I'm sure many of you would agree with this, uh, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, the most you could have in there uh, could be four, five, six, seven people who can social distance, whereas the same can't be said for bars in urban or city areas. So your views are welcome on that. Are they right to call for these separate rules? Uh, 1850 333 103, lines open and you can text on WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Already a texter in saying that the pubs, they must close until next year, uh, that they should stay uh, closed and that would help a lot of the situation when it comes to what's going on in this country. Uh, also, we kept getting calls asking if the homeless crisis is gone in Cork as people are asking us and uh, is it on the news anymore? Why is it not on the news anymore? We don't hear anything about the homeless crisis. Well, I'm afraid it still is an issue and we're going to speak with Katrina Toomey this morning from Penny Dinners. Uh, she's seen firsthand what is happening on our streets across Cork and indeed across the county as well. And unfortunately, uh, there has been a number of deaths on our streets over the last three to four months. There's worries now as well as the uh, COVID-19 virus is still out there uh, that a lot of those who are sleeping rough could pick up the particular virus and that can harm them or worse still, they could die from the virus. So there's a lot of concern out there and also a lot of the charities were impacted as well during COVID-19. Many had to restrict their operations. So we'll speak with Katrina later from Penny Dinners on first-hand what is happening on our streets. Also, our Gardafile will be hearing of the local crimes across the area on our Gardafile later this morning and pet advice with Jane from 12.30. If you have a pet in your household, you have a question for Jane, get that into us across the morning as well on 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And already uh, I see texts in asking about uh, Pat Buckley uh, and this is the Cork East Sinn Féin TD uh, who has revealed that he now was on a learner licence when he was caught drink driving in 2013. Now, uh, this news has been covered many times before because uh, Pat Buckley did receive a three-year ban uh, for the offence which he has apologised for in the past. Of course, all this is coming out now uh, because of the controversy over this week on Minister Barry Cowan's drink driving ban and also learning that he was on a learner licence. And uh, it's in the Irish Independent this morning regarding Pat Buckley story. I mean, this goes back to June of 2013. Uh, he basically was attending a family function. He drove home after drinking. Uh, he was stopped by Gardaí in Middleton and he was found in later uh, to be more than three times above the permitted blood alcohol level. Now, the Sinn Féin TD did not question or respond to questions on how long he had been driving on a provisional licence and why did he not have a full licence at the age of 44 or whether he had ever taken a driving test prior to his ban. 
He has said though since the ban ended he has not sought a new licence. The bus or train service has suited him for work and he says family, friends and colleagues have been a great support in getting around to constituents locally. Mr Buckley also said that he did not hold a learner permit now but he intended to apply for one in the future to get a full licence soon after and at present he says he does not have any licence of any form and does not drive. Now we uh, did call him and text him earlier this if you did wish to chat with us this morning we haven't heard back as yet uh, but that is that particular news story that people are asking about this morning and that is it um, it's, I think a lot of people will be looking back and questioning uh, our politicians and it's, a, it's a something that uh, has been questioned by listeners over the last few days do we look, need now to open a book and look back at every single incident or when people go forward for politics do a history check on them because these stories will come out and questions will be asked and many listeners like Norma this morning going we do need some history check every job you go for uh, checks your recommendations check your references a lot of people may not get jobs if they have a history like that when it comes to drink driving so the same should be done for those who are entering politics feels Norma on text 0862103103 your views are welcome and that story uh, this morning is in the Irish Independent and again, at the time, uh, the Sinn Féin TD, Pat Buckley, for Corkies, did apologise for uh, that particular ban and that particular offence. And now he's uh, come out and said that he was also on a learner's licence. And other news this morning when it comes to our politicians, because when we look at the Eurozone, finance ministers will later today elect a new president of the Eurogroup because of the Portuguese finance minister resigning. And it looks like that minister for finance, Pascal Dunahoo, is one of three candidates candidates nominated to lead the group of the Eurozone finance ministers. The other contenders there come from Spain and Luxembourg and we'll find out later this evening if indeed Pascal will be successful in that or not. They reckon that the Spanish finance minister is in line for that particular job but uh, it will be interesting to see if Pascal Dunahoo uh, will be uh, elected to that particular role for the Eurozone. And a lot of people over the last number of weeks and months will have been working from home and that could be the new normal for most office workers. And this announcement was made yesterday by Antonia Shalia Riker because the new business minister has revealed some radical proposals that will overhaul our employment and family lives for the future. It appeared, he appeared even, uh, not to be pushing an open door with a number of surveys revealing both the employers and workers uh, had looked at this and some would rather go back into work, some would rather stay at home. It has caused a social change for both family and indeed the working life. Uh, but Leo Varakar has kicked off the move with the launch of a public consultation and it's about COVID-19 disruption, our working lives and through many of us working from home or remotely for the first time, he says many just had to learn quickly on how to use modern technology. That has worked. It's been accelerated. It's a change that he says has been coming for a while. This situation has accelerated everything to do with working from home regarding COVID-19 and it could be the new future. And if you are working at the moment from home, is it something you'd like to do or rather do? I mean, it is cutting back on traffic in some areas, those who are living in county areas who used to travel to the city, I'm sure you'll find you don't miss the early morning commute and the traffic uh, you're queuing up to get into the city. For example, Cork to Malarose, 
queuing from early morning as people head to the city. The same could be said for uh, the Cork to McCroom Road, the Cork to Inner Shannon Road. All those areas see huge backlogs every morning as people travel to work. So that could possibly be reduced if more people have the option to work from home. So would you like that? Would it reduce traffic, do you think? Or are people just going to travel anyway uh, to the workplace because they rather be in work than at home working? Or what did you find it more difficult if you're at home working? It seems to be the new norm and the government are working on that. Uh, they said it's just what's happened with this particular crisis has accelerated the move. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on that and how you did find working at home. And many people feel that they will continue to do so if their company allows them and that they'll work maybe two days at home, three days in the office or maybe vice versa. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. It would be a help as well for our roads though, especially areas that don't have a proper bus or train system. And if you were working in big urban areas, it will reduce that particular impact. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. I think there's a long time frame to go uh, considering broadband isn't great in so many areas. And we heard from people uh, living in and around the Bandon area who had to travel into the church car park in Bandon to do their work uh, so when you see that happening, you wonder and question, is it actually possible? Also, uh, probiotics. And we hear Annalisa, who speaks about this some Mondays on the show. And probiotics, uh, they can be either taken by themselves, of course, or combined with prebiotics. And they may help ease depression. And that is coming from a new data that suggests that foods that broaden the profile of helpful bacteria in the gut are collectively known as probiotics, while prebiotics are compounds that help these bacteria to flourish. And the two-way relationship between these, it exists between the brain and the digestive tract and it's known as the gut-brain axis. And the possibility is uh, that if people are using these, researchers have found uh, that the combination with prebiotics may be linked to measurable uh, reductions uh, in depression. And it could help people who are feeling depressed or feeling down that the combination of both of these uh, could be linked to dealing with that particular situation. Uh, researchers have found that uh, and they're looking into it more. But the research has been going on not only for the last year, it's been going on with studies from 2003 and up to 2019. So they have done a lot of work in relation to this. And as we hear and people keep asking about COVID-19 cases, I read this morning in the Avenue that it's emerged two members of the Irish Defence Forces were in isolation in Kilworth camp prior to deploying to Lebanon. They had tested positive for COVID-19. Now the troops were part of the 116 Infantry Battalion and had recently located the Kilworth camp to undergo an isolation period of 14 days in advance of their departure. The process, according to the Defence Forces, is standard procedure for personnel deploying to the UN missions and is in accordance with UN and national directives and the isolation ensures Irish troops do not pose any additional threat to the host nation or indeed to the local population but that was the situation uh, from Kilworth Camp. Now a lot of more calls coming in to us regarding scams and people who are receiving scam calls and people who are receiving scam emails claiming to be different government companies. A lot of people receiving scam emails claiming to be on posts and TV licence. Uh, we'll get to those shortly. Also uh, we had a call yesterday from Dan uh, who wasn't happy with the way his local bank branch was dealing uh, with COVID-19 restrictions. He felt there was too much sharing of borrows, not enough sanitizer, not enough uh, prospects between the customer and the teller and a lot more going on that he just felt wasn't good 
And he described it as a COVID-19 time bomb. We have a response uh, from the bank in question on that. And also we have a response from the Gardaí regarding calls we got yesterday on a large house party that was about to take place in Bandon Town. Uh, I'll bring those to you shortly. 1850-333-103. Lines open and text on WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Now over the last number of days we've been getting a lot of calls from people who are receiving scam calls and scam emails. And this one from Tom Indrina and he said he got an email claiming to be from Unpost saying his annual subscription expires in six days for his TV licence. Now, it asked him to click on a link to renew his licence. Tom knows, though, that his licence is not due until October. So he did contact Unpost. They know about this scam, he said, and they basically just to delete the particular email. Well, uh, since then, we've got a lot of emails over the last day or so, especially yesterday afternoon, from people who have received this email uh, now, at first glance, it does look like it's a scam. They have unpost in green, but it's just unpost written. It's not actually the unpost logo or anything like that. And if you know your TV license, you, it comes with a, a different. It comes with the unpost logo, but also. It has a TV licence logo as well, which is different to Unpost. And this email it does welcome you to TV licence online. It asks you to uh, click on a particular link, of course, which will link them to your bank to your own bank account because you didn't put that. But uh, it doesn't go into any further detail. Obviously enough, Unpost and anybody in connection with the TV licence is asking you to delete the email, ignore it. But how can you spot this? Well, every email... Uh, that we've got in in the last while, when you check who the email is from, it says from on post in capital letters. But then when you look at the address, usually the email would come from unpost.ie or tvlicense.ie. This email is coming from unpost at host.jobsminer.com. And obviously enough, when you look at that, you know it's a hoax. It's a false email address. I mean, Unpost aren't going to use a Hotmail or Gmail or anything like that. And either at a TV license section, going to use a Hotmail or Gmail or any free email service to send you an email reminding you that your TV license is about to run out. So that's, first of all, how you'll know that it's a scam. It, it doesn't even look like a, a proper email address. And then the whole email, even though it is well written, the logos and everything just don't match up to the logos you would see on the TV license website or indeed from Unpost. Anyhow, uh, we did get on to Unpost about this and they say, yes, it has come to our attention that there are a number of fraudulent and phishing emails in circulation purporting to come from Unpost in relation to your TV license. So they say, yes, we do send out emails reminding people to pay your TV license, but we will always include your address within the body of the email. If you suspect that you have received a fraudulent email, please delete immediately or indeed contact them. So just beware of that, especially in the last two or three days. A lot of those false emails coming uh, claiming to be from Unpost in, to do with your TV licence. And regarding the Dan who called yesterday worried about his local Bank of Ireland branch who he said uh, weren't taking the COVID-19 restrictions and regulations seriously enough. They basically weren't sanitising. There was no perspective divider between uh, people like you would see in most other areas or most other uh, shops. Uh, he felt people were all using the same phone when it came to online banking. Uh, and because of that, we did contact Bank of Ireland. They have looked into this matter. They say they, first of all, are committed to safeguarding the health and safety of their customers and colleagues. Additional precautions are in place across all their branches, including social distancing measures and enhancing cleaning and sanitisation. And they will continue to monitor uh, these to make sure that all uh, banking services are operating in a safe and possible manner uh, during COVID-19. So they are looking into that particular branch. And then yesterday also, 
And we had a lot of calls in. Uh, well, not a lot, but we had a good few calls in regarding a house party that people were claiming that was about to take place in Bandon Town. This was two days ago at this stage and a large crowd were descending on an area of Bandon Town. So people were telling us the Gardaí had been called. Uh, some were even saying the armed response were in the area. Anyhow, we did contact the Gardaí about this and they say that yes, uh, yesterday afternoon, which would have been Tuesday afternoon, Gardaí became aware of a proposed house party in Bandon Town at which a large crowd in excess of public health guidelines was anticipated to attend. Gardaí liaised with public transport providers and put a significant policing plan in place in Bandon for the duration of the evening. During the evening, Gardaí spoke to some 80 people who had travelled to Bandon by bus. As per on Garda ongoing standard for possible breaches of public health guidance, Gardaí engaged, encouraged and educated these people about gathering in large numbers the groups were dispersed and Gardaí continued to carry patrols of the area across the evening. Now, due to the proactive approach taken by Gardaí in this instance, a potential breach of public health guidelines and a large public order incident was prevented, say Gardaí. However, later in the evening, Gardaí did make one arrest for public order as a man aged in his late teens was intoxicated and refused to leave the area as directed by Gardaí. A small amount of suspected cannabis was also seen from two people and again on Garda Shikana continues to appeal to all citizens to to continue to comply with the COVID-19 regulations and guidelines for their own personal health and indeed that of the wider community. So that's the response from Gardaí who said they did deal with that particular situation in Bandon on Tuesday afternoon and they did make one arrest for that particular man. So there there was an incident and it was dealt with by the Guardian. Thank you for your calls and comments on that. 1850-333-103. Lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And on the way next, should we now at this stage have separate rules for rural and urban bars when it comes to reopening the wet bars, those bars who don't serve food, which they are due to reopen later this month. And in a larger context, I suppose, should we have those type of rules now going forward in relation to COVID-19 and like they have in the UK and other countries now look at implementing local lockdowns if they need to happen. And we'll discuss that next. For today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 now, following scenes from Dublin at the weekend, now people are asking, should we just have separate rules for rural and urban parts of the country when it comes to our bars? Well, a lot of local TDs are asking for this and they would rather not see the large crowds that were filmed drinking on the streets last weekend. Independent TDs in particular are calling for this. And one of those is independent TD Michael Collins, who joins me from Cork Southwest. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Jumbo. Uh, and usually I would say joining us from Leinster House, but I believe this morning you're in the Convention Centre as the Doyle is meeting there for the time being. Uh, regarding the scenes we saw from Dublin last weekend, people are worried now with the travel restrictions lifted, people are driving around the country, but the big thing here people are worried about is that rural areas and tourist areas could suffer because of a small majority in an urban area, for example, like Dublin. I'm sure like many other of your independent TDs, you would call for some measures now to be implemented to deal with this. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, the teacher made a statement on, on Monday, I think, which was, which was damaging and which was wrong, in my view, uh, where he's saying he would have to look at uh, continuing maybe the closure of pubs from July 20th onwards, those who don't serve food. I think that, that was, I don't think it was a very uh, measured or, or, or thought-through statement 
I think maybe he should have said he'd consider closing the pubs in Dublin, in, in urban Ireland, uh, longer than the ones in rural Ireland, uh, because unfortunately these have turned out to be the main culprits of any, issue, any issues or any infringements that are out there. At the very beginning of the COVID-19 crisis, um, and, and just around the 13th, 14th of March, the pubs in Ireland closed down because Dublin were breaking the rules. In the, simply in the pubs in Dublin, they were breaking every rule in the book. And they were celebrating as if it was a celebration to have, but it wasn't. But the pubs in rural Ireland are totally and utterly different. And to be quite honest with you, there was a lot of social isolation going on there in here because the numbers are small and it was easily managed. And the pubs today are willing to make all, create all the measures of safekeeping for their customers and for the public out there. And they don't need the issue to be contemplating that every pub be, be tarred with the one brush because there's pubs, as I said, in Dublin breaking rules. And I, I should have said at the outset, I probably will be seen to have a conflict of interest because I have two brothers that have pubs in, in, in West Cork and I have a daughter who works in a pub, but I don't personally have any interest in a pub myself. But the thing is, maybe that's a good thing because I do know firsthand the difficulties that they're going through and others are going through because I contact them and talk to them every day to follow there. Yeah, and this one thing that has come back when I raised this this morning is people saying if you go to any rural bar in a rural village across any part of Ireland, we'll just take Cork here because that's where we are, uh, you would only see four, five, six, seven people at the most in any weekday evening in those particular bars and social distancing would not be an issue and if it gets busier weekend that can be managed whereby it's a lot different you can't compare a bar based in the middle of Cork City or the middle of Dublin to a bar that is based in let's say between Dingle and Ballyferrisher or between Newmarket and Kenturk you, you just can't r- regulate or deal with them in the same situation You can't and, and, and publicans have been discussing this with me and, pub and others they've been discussing quite simply even some Republicans that have been established for many years that don't have to pay rent, that don't have to pay a mortgage, are very seriously considering it and not reopening because they had massive falling numbers already. They had massive costs. They didn't know how to, and this took them, like, a, like every other business, took them like a, a, a bolt uh, out of the blue and it simply landed them closing their business. And now that the only grant to date is a start-up grant of about €2,000, which is in no way, shape, or form going to compensate a lot of Republicans, um, a lot of the Republicans to, to reopen. You see, I don't think, uh, you know, that people have maybe saw this too, and I know there's a stimulus package coming up. We're talking about, there's 50,000 people employed in the pub industry in this country. It is a massive, it's a massive employer, and there has to be an element of sympathy. And just one other thing, John Paulus, last week in 7,000 pubs opened throughout the country, there were 6,833 checks by Gardaí. That's a lot of checks, that's nearly all of the 7,000 were checked. And in that, in, in that situation, 26 infringements are found, which I, I, and unfortunately there was 26, and I wish there wasn't 26, but it's a very, very low figure. And I, I, to be honest with you, I think it's the only sector, from what I gathered, is going to be so pleased, so pleased, so pleased. And I bet you, in the whole country, if there were 6,830 shops visited or whatever visited last weekend, there would have been a far more than 26 infringements. And some of these businesses, what the infringements are, they had no receipts. Uh, which meant there was people drinking and not eating, I suppose, and there were infringements that shouldn't have happened. And and apparently the DPP has been notified about these uh, public and so, like, and from what I can gather, the Gardaí actually told them try and put this right, and they weren't willing to do so, and that's fair enough. They need, these guys need to be pulled out and weeded out. But 26 out of 7,000 is a very, very small percentage. It's enough in the situation we're in, but it's a very small percentage, and I think we've zoned in on that. And I can I cannot, cannot tell you where the 26 infringements were, but we saw quite a lot of them in Dublin. 
And would that be the fear, though, if there's 26, for example, if there were in the Dublin area, that that could impact for everybody then? Well, you see, to date, uh, this whole COVID-19 pandemic has been dictated as to what happens in Dublin. And I mean, well, the rest of Ireland has to be very, very careful. And I think in rural Ireland, West Cork, and in Cork County, it has been extremely careful. But at the end of the day, it's been dictated by rule and regulation. I've tried to see what are the, the results in, in West Cork in relation to COVID-19, what are the breakdown figures in each town. And it's very difficult to get all those figures. But it really is dictated because we have a savage COVID-19 issue in Dublin. We have a, a COVID-19 issue in every part of Ireland. And it's, it, 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 that happened throughout the world, maybe. And each, it's happening now in China, places like that, where, where there's an outbreak. It's region per region and it's sealed. So we have to look at this going forward. COVID-19 may have re-emerge again. If it does, is it Dublin? Is it, is it West Cork? I can assure you it will be in Dublin. And there will be an odd case in West Cork if we're not careful, but certainly won't be to the measure of what's happening in Dublin. And, I, and to date, we haven't got that region for region. It's been, if it's bad in Dublin, Ireland suffers. And that's not the way it can be going forward. And the publicans are in that situation. They're, 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 you know, we need obviously a drop in the mat straight away and not there doing a lot of talking in relation to the tourism. That, that needs to be a immediately looked at the, that's a 13.5% that needs to be rather than 5% and the drink uh, the sale of drink in bars at 23% that, that needs to be a massive reduction if the public is, is to survive and and in my, in my my serious worries here is that they will be closing in their hundreds in Ireland and they had been doing that unfortunately and this is tipping the balance and there certainly is no no aid at the present time unless the stimulus package does something and we'll know that in the next couple of weeks. Well, that's the thing I was going to ask was about the bars. I mean, people are saying there should be separate laws. Will many of those rural bars even reopen? Will they want to when they had tight profit lines beforehand and people just simply weren't going to the bar anyhow? Yeah, and the problem I see and the worry I, I've been listening to is that the, the, the older bar people, you know, not age was the people that owned their own bar and were working, got it done through family, done through the years. I've heard some of them not, they're not going to open. And if they're not going to open, good God, the poor person is trying to pay a rent and trying to pay a mortgage on their premises. I don't know how they're going to survive. So there's a very serious issue. What we don't see, the cost of the, the bar, they're still paying insurance because the insurance uh, were basically left scot-free in this one and got away with it. They're still, you know, as soon as they reopen, they have to consider do they get a sky package. The sky package costs 1200 a month. Uh, people don't see that. They, they assume that all these things land inside the bar. And it's obviously, if you look at any any community project that's coming going, where's the first piece, where's the first place everybody goes? To the bar for a bit of sponsorship and they get it. And every bar that's closed in the community is another death in that rural community. And if, if, if the government, you know, and the Dishuk's statement I thought was damaging, I thought he should have been more focused. You cannot carry everybody with the one brush and the figures are there today. 26 infringements out of 7,000 is minute. It's too, it's too many, I respect. Two is too many. But uh, what I'm saying is 26, if you look at it in the bigger picture, it's, it's minute. And Gardy have been very, very in West Cork, and I know it because I talked to a lot of businesses from Bendel, out west of Castletown Bear to the Midnight. Uh, Gardy were on the beat, and they were going into some premises once and twice, and thankfully they found no infringement, and they were quite happy with what they saw on the window. And again, a lot of people do go in and say, I sure don't really want any teeth, you know. And the, the, the bottom line is, I went there myself, signed your name, you, you, you purchased nine euros per person, Food plus nine plus if you're buying a dinner or whatever, and then you're entitled to a drink if you were if you wanted a drink, and that you know it's, it's all. The, and another thing, jump off, is that a lot of pubs and restaurants are open now. They're opening in a lesser manner because a lot of people can't get in because people don't mean they were ringing places up again. They told they had to pre-book. They were they weren't available, no available stuff. But they have to have more staff, so it's less customers, more staff, 
and little or no conversation. And the pub sector, the hotel sector, the restaurant sector, and the cafe sector are in dire need, dire trouble. They are reopening in some cases, but they're really stretching their head as to if it's the right move or not. And if the stimulus package don't go down to the ground to help these people, they're going to close their doors in winter. And that's going to lead to a massive uh, job losses again going forward. And also for the tourism side of things, I mean, we've a lot of people who just visit a tourist area and want to call into an Irish bar. And if the Irish bar is closed, it's going to hamper tourism. It's also going to hamper tourism if for some reason or another they close all the bars again in this country because of an isolated situation, as you mentioned, that could just be in the east of the country. You mentioned Gardaí, they're visiting bars. Do you feel it's unfair on Gardaí who are trying to police this? I mean, the sergeants union have come out. They weren't too sure exactly what they were supposed to be doing when Gardaí were policing bars with regards to the law. And also, I know Gardaí have come out and evidently they've come out in public in the UK. Police have but here, uh, how can you police drunk people? If it gets out of hand like it did in Dublin at the weekend, how are Gardaí expected to police someone who's not breaking the law, but just standing too close to someone or breaking the social distancing rules? Well, I think in, in, in the cases where the 26 infringements were, um, from what, uh, my take on it was that Gardaí advised the owners, uh, working in cooperation on the owners, and have, have sent a file to the DPP on, in relation to that. And that's that's fair enough. It's difficult. The guards are, are like police this the whole way through. And in most cases, you're trying to, you know, an infringement can be a very simple thing. And it can be simply rectified. And I'm pretty sure 99% of the guards can do that and do that in some cases where people are uh, continuously floating the law without uh, care or, or reason to, 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 their, to the customer or to the, to the public. Well, the guards have to come in. And, and, and it's unfair, yes, that they have to police the law. But if it isn't the guards, the HSA, maybe there isn't enough HSA officials to do that. But I think at this present time, the infringements are so little. I think it's, it's, it's not a major issue. But the checks are there. 6,830 checks last weekend is proof enough that the guards were on, on the beast and they were, and, and, and they certainly did. But in relation to you know people coming in, and it's a slightly different issue. I've been seeking rap testing in our airports and ports because we have people that are very worried about people coming to visit uh, you know, rural peninsulas or beautiful places in West Cork, like in Sale, or all the way down along the, the coastline balance all the way out to Castle Mayor to the Mizzen and so she said they, and Bantrin said these places are fabulous places to visit and everybody wants to visit them and it's, but what we need to do is we can open our airports and we can open our ports and see if they match if they do same day testing and results and I've been saying this uh, about six weeks ago I said it on the show with Patricia Messenger at year 103 of him show one morning I've said it continuously in the doll and now it's picking up a momentum but it's getting very late in the, in the year to do that open your airports open your ports but everybody is tested and certified clear before they leave their airport or not if they're not. And that's something that they need to look into so we can open up our communities in a safe manner to the best of our ability. Nothing is 100% uh, proof because they'll say to you, oh, this is about 80%. Nothing is 100% in, in relation to COVID because it can stay in your nose for so many hours it can do. But look, if you get 80%
because the public in was worried that two metres couldn't, they couldn't work it. That, you know, some pubs are narrow and they're long, but they're narrow and whatever. And yeah, but well, would you say, Michael, that just the restrictions and the policing of them should be stopped so for bars? I think that what we need to do is concentrate on the urban areas and, and obviously a very subtle um, check in rural areas because they were never breaking the laws in the first place because they didn't have the numbers. They certainly, the numbers aren't going to grow to trees right all of a sudden now. Uh, but the urban areas is where the massive towns and cities, um, in, 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 in maybe in Dublin, Galway, and maybe in the Cork City, but definitely in rural communities, I think it's, it's, it's a slightly low key. Um, but in saying that, I'm not telling you what to do. There's 6,830 checks, as I said last weekend, and that tells you they're on the beat, but only on 26 infringements. That at least tells you that 90, 95, 6, 7% of them are complying. And it's just a matter of um, a matter of making sure that, that continues. And you would welcome, if as you mentioned, everything to reopen again regarding travel for tourism. You would welcome the fact then that if there was a part of the country where there was a high level of COVID and numbers were increasing to lock down that particular part of the country, like they have done in the UK with Leicester, you would want that to happen as soon as it, it has to happen going forward, John Paul, because our country cannot keep shutting down. If this rises its ugly head again, we have to look at where it has rose its ugly And if it happens to be West Cork, well, so be it. That's it. And seal off that area in West Cork. Well, it doesn't have to be shut down because you have a high uh, concentration of COVID in, in a part of Dublin. So that means um, uh, that means someone in, 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 in maybe Belgooley uh, and, and, and Balladahop throws it down. It's not, it doesn't make sense because COVID unfortunately yes. has concentrated on the larger settings. And I've seen the rural communities, and that's where I live, and that's where I come from. People are being very careful. The visitors are being careful. The, the, the natives are being careful. And everybody's doing their best. And, and we, you know, the people have to use the noggin here to hit. And, you know, if the pubs are open, the public you know, also has, a, has, a, has, has to be careful that people aren't drinking in cognitive settings in the streets. They have to just be careful and use the head. And if they're not, then there's laws there to, to, to make sure that they will comply um, going forward. But in the rural areas... That's not going to be, it's going to be a very, very few and far between. Uh, oh. and, and nationally, last week, took 26 in the whole country over 7,000. Okay, very finally, Michael, before I let you go, a lot of talk this week on Minister Barry Cowan and his drink driving incident four years ago. And he has apologised for that. And he hasn't been questioned too much on his learner licence. But people are split down the middle on this. I mean, this morning we have Cork East and Fainted. He, Pat Buckley, he was come out again. He apologised for drink driving in 2013. Uh, he has revealed that he was on a learner licence at that particular time. But on Minister Cowan, because some people are saying it's been in the past, move on with it. Let him see now if he can do the job as Minister for Agriculture. Uh, leave it be. But while others then are saying something should have been done. It's a bad example. Road safety groups are very angry over this and many are calling for his resignation. Nation. How do you view all of this? Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's becoming more and more difficult for a politician to take office, whether he's a TD or whether he's um, whether, whether he's going to be a minister. You really have to know if you're going to consider ministry. Look at your whole your whole life behaviour. And we are human. Every human makes a mistake. And Barry Cohen made a mistake, and he paid the penalty. It isn't that he made a mistake and just brushed under the carpet or was hidden. He made a mistake. He, he accepts he made a mistake. He apologised in, in, in the doll. I was there in the doll when he apologised. And, and I felt it's time to move on. He made, he made a human mistake. And then he who hasn't sinned cast the first stone. Now, look, I wasn't caught for a drink because I pray to God I never will. But the, what the issue here is, is and, and others may have been done through years, and if everybody looks at, at, at the literature, there's a lot more, I can assure you, John Paul, 
there's a lot more ministers that have a lot more to answer in this call, and they won't be asked to answer for their, for their, for their sins. But in that situation, a mistake was made a number of years ago. He has come before the doll, explained what happened, apologised for what happened. We have a very, very serious agricultural crisis in this country, and Barry Cohn is the leader of, uh, to, to lead us out of that crisis, hopefully, or, or not, and we'll find out, and I think he needs to be left concentrated on that now and go forward. He has his apology made. He accepts he made a mistake. He is human, that he who hasn't seen cast the first stone is what I think. Okay, and very briefly, and I don't know you're going to have an answer for this, uh, in about 30 seconds, uh, texts are here saying, any chance that we will have some hope of fast broadband in Cork for students who have to online learn in September? Uh, any updates on the broadband situation in Cork County, this, or is that just going to that's going to have to take time, I, brought, I presume? It is, yeah. I brought this before the Taoiseach on, on, on Tuesday, my first question, um, in leaders' questions on Tuesday. We have the crisis in, in Gagan. We almost had it started. It's going on. I've been working on it for the last one. And Gagan in other places, with Cork's just not Gagan. It's faced all the way west uh, to the head where they're getting little or no broadband. People are driving up to car parks in churchyards to, 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 to try and get broadband. It's ridiculous. I don't see a solution. I, I personally don't see the solution as quick as uh, happening. I think we have to look at the wireless operators. I think the private wireless operator has a lot to offer. He can give you the high-speed broadband, but he's not being looked at. It. They're looking at the bigger picture, and the bigger picture isn't happening on the ground. And that's the way it was for four years of four years of broken promises. It started already this, this week in the Dáil by the Taoiseach, and I hope he has to give, be given time. But it was my first question to him straight in the Dáil on Tuesday, and anybody can see my Facebook and the answer. And the answer again was, it will happen sometime, sometime down the road, but that's not good enough. The, low, the wireless operator and the private operator can deliver, and I think the government have got to look towards uh, those operators that may be extra funding to, to, to deliver. And in situations in different pockets, I think um, it's, 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 it's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. And you can, the, the worrying thing is, I have a massive company in West Cork. It's coming within 150 feet of their, of their premises, and they won't extend it to that company. And it desperately needs uh, fast speed uh, broadband, and it hasn't got it. It's a very serious issue, and, I, and I, it's, it's one that can be resolved, John Paul, but uh, governments have decided to look at the bigger picture, and the bigger picture has failed, and let people do. OK, well, we'll see what happens over the next few years, but it's something that you can't fix overnight, as you said, for the moment. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning from the Convention Centre in Dublin. Uh, that's Cork South West Independent Deputy Michael Cox. Good morning to you, John Paul McNamara, in for Patricia Messenger. Right through until one, and Bernie and Sadie take your calls this morning, and indeed your comments, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email across the morning, jp at c103.ie, or, of course, you can tweet at c103. 103 Cork. Now, on our conversation just before 11 with uh, Independent Deputy Michael Collins, this is how him and others feel there should be separate rules for pubs in rural and urban parts of the country, especially when we saw the scenes last week or last weekend even out of Dublin with people drinking on the streets. People fear that because of that, we could have uh, maybe not even another lockdown, but bars forced to close because of regulations. Uh, that are in, being enforced by Gardaí uh, but obviously the Gardaí can't be everywhere either even though there were calling to a lot of pubs across the weekend here in Cork and indeed in Dublin and because of that uh, there was 26 pubs found that they could be prosecuted because they were breaching the COVID-19 regulations anyhow on that people fear that everybody could be affected because of a few and there's a number of TDs now asking for these separate rules but also asking should we have local lockdowns with a lot of your comments on that uh, this person here no name on this but a text are saying I think rural Ireland should be treated differently to urban areas firstly 
In rural Ireland, it would be relatively easy to contact trace your customers in a tiny village pub. We offer a different social setting to the big cities and of course we need to implement the rules during holiday periods etc. But when it is just our locals our bread and butter then common sense should prevail. We need to look after our older vulnerable people who have lost so much of their older ways already. I don't think there would be anything wrong with relaxing the rules for the rural Ireland population to that particular texter. What Eileen was on to us, Eileen was in Killarney yesterday afternoon and she said, I needed to buy a few essential items and I went to Killarney and the town was packed. There was absolutely no social distancing whatsoever. Eileen said it was very worrying to see this. A lot of the shops are trying their best to social distance, but people are just not adhering to it. People are coming up very close to you and Eileen feels this was very frightening to see in the town of Killarney yesterday and on a street it is tough enough if you have a busy town you have a lot of people in any particular town or city to social distance if you have narrow footpaths and traffic is still moving so Eileen worried about that when you look at the future and how this can even be policed because she says the shops were trying their best uh, to get people to social distance but some just were not adhering to it and Tom says why should the rest of the country be held responsible and punished for the behaviour of people in Dublin it's not our fault if they can't behave responsibly says Tom while John and Clonakilty says John Paul the only way pubs restaurants and airports now can get on with things and open is to have temperature tests at the doors it would be and take roughly around one minute to do no problem then when people are inside says John in Clonakilty and and another John says, I can't understand why the government didn't open all the pubs together. People have been locked up for four months. There's a town uh, in, across Cork with no pub open. So people are now travelling to other pubs, making them even busier, uh, says John, uh, because the fact that some pubs the ones that are able to serve food are open and the so-called wet pubs that can serve food are closed. John says certain towns that don't have bars uh, that serve food means people in that particular area are travelling to the nearest town that has a bar that serves food and that's making that particular bar a lot busier. Uh, Joanne also on the issue of bars says that she knows of a person who went to a hotel, got a couple of drinks and was given a bowl of chips without ordering them. And that person was then given a receipt with a full nine euro meal written on it. So she got the receipt with nine euros with a meal written on the receipt, but didn't get an actual meal, just got a bowl of chips. And this basically was given to the person in case someone was to come and check on her, uh, says Joanne. So... Uh, I'm not too sure where that happened and maybe that was one of the areas where the breaches were found. Uh, could have been one of the 26 places that's been mentioned. We don't, don't know where they are, uh, but they could be prosecuted for breaching the regulations. Uh, but yeah, the, the, like, they, they do that. They could be caught for that, Joanne. Uh, and if they are, there's a, a possibility then when they go to renew their licence, uh, they could have problems renewing that. So Joanne outlining what is happening in some places regarding uh, the meal and people seemingly drinking without ordering a full meal and just getting a bowl of chips uh, something the health department would be very worried over because they insisted it was to be a full meal if you were having a drink to comply with the regulations while well, Sean says he was 
in East Cork over the weekend. He said it was a disgrace. Uh, pubs packed and open until all hours claims Sean on text 0862103103. Now, on Pat Buckley, the Cork East uh, Sinn Féin TD, who of course uh, has revealed, it was revealed this morning in the Irish Independent that he was on a learner's licence too when he was caught drink driving back in 2013. Now he's apologised for drink driving and that time uh, he received a three-year ban for the offence and he has come forward though because of the controversy surrounding Minister Barry Cowan's drink driving ban uh, he has come forward to say that he also was on a learner licence at that particular time currently now he does not drive he uses public transport and he at the moment has no licence of any form and as I mentioned does not drive so on that uh, first of all Meg saying Pat Buckley got three years but Brian C- Barry Cowan got three months where's the logic to that says Meg on while Neil in Lumberstown says it's very suspicious that Pat Buckley's past is being splashed across the independent. I believe it's Fianna Fáil defending uh, Barry Cowan by throwing mud at others, says Neil in Lumberstown. That's his view on it. Uh, another texter here saying, if I drink and drive, I would lose my job. So the same should be done to all those TDs. And another few comments like that saying it's one rule for one and not for all of us again. Uh, says a number of comments coming in, uh, which we've got all week, saying it seems to be one rule for those in Linster House and a different rule for all of us. And that comment there summed up by Ian texting in. And Tom, uh, who called us earlier on 1850 Tom says he drank and drove four years ago. Tom says, what's the big deal? Why does it matter if he had a full licence or not, uh, says Tom. While Mary in Caractool says she is 78 years old, all of her children had to abide by the law. So if they did not pass uh, their driver's test, they had to get another provisional. But they could not keep on getting provisionals forever. So has the law changed? How could Barry Cowan drive on a provisional licence for that length of time? Well, I know the RSA have come out questioning that. There has been a number of loopholes whereby people of a certain age could drive and could continue to get a provisional licence and that was one of the loopholes which by uh, saw Barry Cowan getting his particular provisional licence and there's still a lot of questions around him and now indeed Pat Buckley as well on how they had a learner's licence for that long. On the issue of Catherine by the way, Catherine was in touch with us just before 11. Uh, she has this issue where on her kitchen window she has a lot of blue bottles but once she's touches the blue bottles they fall down dead and she wanted to know if anybody else was in a situation whereby on their window anywhere in the house I suppose if you have blue bottles uh, but once you go to do something with them or remove them they die and they're lying around and lying around the windowsill dead while a number of people have come back including this texter to say uh, ask Catherine to check her chimney maybe there's a dead bird up there as we had that problem a few years ago and that was the reason there was a dead bird in our chimney uh, so Catherine maybe that's something to uh, to check out maybe you have a, a dead bird somewhere in the house uh, somebody else saying the same check her attic maybe there's a dead bird or a bird got into the attic that she's unaware of and that could be attracting these particular flies so Catherine for you maybe check the house to see just in case there's a, a dead bird somewhere in your house and we mentioned about working from home and how that's going to become more popular it would seem in the future and how 
Tónaselli of Riker has come out and said that it would be a benefit to some in the fact it would save commutes and save traffic on our roads. Well, on that, uh, Tess is listening to us in Jersey. Good morning to you, Tess in Jersey. Tess is a frontline worker in Jersey and her daughter works from home at the moment. Now, she too wants to get back to the office ASAP because she is relying too much on technology and not interacting on people, says Tess. But on the plus, the electric company in Jersey... And they're giving them five euros per week towards their bill. And she can claim 10 pounds tax relief per week then as long as she is working from home, says Tess in Jersey. So I know there is uh, something here whereby if you do work from home, you can claim a certain amount of tax relief at the end of the year. Uh, Regarding the electricity companies, I know some have made some offers and have been very Uh, good for people when it comes to limitations if you're on a certain package whereby it limits you to certain usage they have been very good about that I'm not too sure if anybody is giving back money like your electric company in Jersey Uh, they're giving them £5 so I presume it's a voucher type scheme of £5 off the electricity bill because so many people are working from home so that's a good initiative there in Jersey thank you text for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and I mentioned the response from the Gardaí abandoned this was in connection with a house party that was due to take place in Bandon Town yesterday and the Gardaí intervened and uh, they spoke to people who were attending the party and I called out the response earlier on in the show but on that a texter here saying I live in that area where the house party was on in Bandon I live beside the same house and there was large numbers but no trouble parents of the person who had the party kept it all under control and had told us in the area that the party was taking place a lot of the talk around this was exaggerated people want to see what's happening first before they go around spreading rumours other people in the estate have parties at weekends until about 4 or 5 in the morning and there's nothing done about that that particular text or in relation uh, to that uh, cause we got yesterday uh, regarding that party uh, that Gardaí dealt with and I've, I dealt with that response from the Gardaí earlier in the show uh, that was on Tuesday afternoon in Bandon. 1850-333-103 lines open you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 on the way we've got a lot of calls over the last few weeks people asking is the homeless situation is that gone now in our county because they don't hear a lot about it well unfortunately it's not gone it's still a major issue and we'll speak and hear firsthand about the homeless crisis in Cork with Katrina Toomey who only knows too well about what's happening on the city streets with her work in Penny Dinners. We'll speak with Katrina next. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities for a driver who's required for livestock haulage. Agricultural and livestock handling experience would be an advantage. You need a full clean Arctic truck license and an up-to-date CPC course. That's essential. Contact 087-9577-278 for further info. Crafted Fitter Furniture, they have a vacancy for a cabinet maker and fitter based at their workshop in Liz Griffin. You need a full driver's license and your own transport. Email CV to accounts at cffgroup.ie and a car valeter is wanted for the Glanmire area a full clean driver licence is required send your CV to carwashtj at gmail.com you'll get these jobs and more online now just go to c103.ie forward slash job You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed 
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now over the last few months, we... Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. We keep getting calls here about the homeless situation in Cork and was the situation all resolved or what was happening because people felt it was not in the headlines. Well, unfortunately, that situation is still very real. And one woman who knows all about it is Katrina Toomey, who, of course, is well known from her work with Penny Dinners. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for joining us. Well, it's a question that has, has come in a lot over, especially during lockdown, because there was so much news of COVID in the news and that kind of took over our lives. People were wondering, well, what was happening on the streets of Cork? People weren't on the streets and they weren't hearing about the homeless situation. Uh, but it is still very real, Katrina, isn't it? And we've had a lot of deaths, unfortunately, uh, since we spoke last. It is, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it seems to be growing all the time. A lot of people were put up in accommodation by the council, you know, uh, during the, the virus, you know, to self-isolate and do stuff like that. But there was still a huge amount remained on the streets and um, there was nobody out at night. So we decided that we would have to go and look after them, mind them, because we knew them all. And um, we started it. And what we started doing then was we would um, make the four-course meal for them and we would put them into hot boxes and go out in the van. But we had a team of night riders, which were lads from the um, addiction meeting groups. They went on push bikes and they cycled around the city with the high-vis vests on them and they made sure they got to everybody because it was much easier to access all the streets and the alleyways and the laneways and stuff like that. And we would be behind them in the van and 
they would call us and they would run out at dinners and we would be there to, for them to hand out more. But what we saw was very frightening. We saw a lot of people who, just like the rest of us, were scared and bewildered, but they just didn't have the comfort of their own home or any home at, at, at that time. And it was just so sad to see them. You know, we could be on the street for a couple of hours and some nights we'd see nobody, only just those that were rough sleeping in the street. And there wasn't a sinner, it was like a ghost town. And very eerie and kind of weird. And we felt it, and you can imagine what they felt having to sleep out in that. It was dark, it was, they were pitiful and very, very hard to see. And, to, and for us as volunteers to come across. And then, as you said, we had some deaths and it's caused us huge pain because of the loneliness and the hardship that people are suffering, but also the pain that their families are feeling. They're feeling it very, very hard. And it never goes away for the family, you know, that pain. But the loneliness of people, you know, dying in this way, it's just hard for us as volunteers when we get to know them to bear. And we feel so sorry for them. And we feel so sorry for their families who suffer greatly at that. And we're aware of the issues and the difficulties some people would have. And again, it still doesn't mean that they have to die lonely and without people around them. And it was just kind of like that. That's just the way it happened. Andrew, those who were on the streets when you speak with them, or your volunteers speak with them, are they worried, as the virus is still out there now, that they could catch the virus because they are sleeping in, in rough conditions as you mentioned in the side of laneways some maybe outside shop fronts and when the weather changes I mean you catch a cold very easily but even worse when this COVID is still out there They're very worried and they're very worried about the the, the lack of information that they'd received that they kind of have to get it second hand some of them now would have phones and they'll sit outside some place where they can pick up the internet and they'll go in and then they'll kind of put we had lots of questions when we wrote people were asking us, is this getting better? Is that getting better? When will this change? And when will that change? And again, you know, we, we told them the truth. We said we don't have the answers either, but we'll just go with what we, we know. And that is like that we'll keep you safe. We'll keep ourselves safe because it's important to keep the volunteers safe as well. So, you know, we gave people, um, you know, hand sanitizers. We gave them baby wipes because they were anxious about keeping clean and and stuff and you know places being closed they couldn't go to a bathroom anywhere like just to have a wash or to throw a drop of water on their face there was none of that available to them so they were really kind of abandoned on a lot of fronts and at night time it was pretty scary to see them and yes they had loads of questions and the questions were like you know if you don't see me tomorrow night will you look for me something like that you know things like they were worried that they, they would be left alone and that there would be nobody to care for them. So they got very familiar with all the lads that were going around on the bikes and really it, it kind of kept them, I suppose, sane. They were mindful of the fact that we were out there looking for them and, and looking to look after them. And the, there would be a bit of cracking, a bit of banter with the lads, which would kind of live them up. And, and um, that, that, I think, helped them that helped them as much as what the food helped them because they needed that contact, they needed that human contact and they needed to know. And I'd have to say that the lads from the, the group, from the our recovery meetings over in Penny Dinners, they were just amazing. And they knew everybody by name. 
and they'd find them. And if they couldn't see somebody in such a place, off they'd go on the bikes until they found them, and then we get the call. It was grand, I found him, or I found her, and whatever. We came across things that needed guard intervention, needed medical intervention, you know, we'd have to call ambulances, we'd have to look after some people, just wash them down, you know, put a bit of plaster on them and, and stuff like that, or just talk to them when they were very, very frustrated and didn't know what to do, and feeling like that all hope was lost for them. They were scared, as I said, and I think everybody was bewildered whether they were in a home or whether they didn't have a home. So that kind of sense, that fear factor prevailed all round. But I do think that a lot more could have been done for, for the lads that were, yeah, you know, that were on the street. I do think that something else should have been in place for them. Yeah, because Katrina, a lot of the homeless services, they had to, as well, like every other business, had to employ and put in force restrictions in their particular operations. So there was less availability out there yeah. for those people to get help. And whenever we speak to either three ourselves or Simon or somebody else, uh, people who are unfortunately in a homeless situation, addiction is a big thing. They f- they might never have been addicted to anything, but they say once they hit the streets, they f- they can, not all, but some can fall into that world of getting addicted to drugs or, or drink or something. I think, you know, like, as you say, some weren't addicted, but they, they do turn to drink or drugs when they're on the streets because they have to buffer the pain of that some way. And then it, it escalates and goes out of control for them. And it's like a sense of, sure, I might as well be doing this, as to be doing you know, like it's very hard how to say how any of us would react if it was us. And like we can't point a finger and say, well, don't turn to that, turn to something else. But for some street life, it's very, very, very tough. And sometimes to buffer it, that's why they turn to drinking drugs. And um, rather than judging, we have to look at their reasons. And very, very quickly, you find that when they when they hand their father, you know, when they, when they receive help and when you can get them out of that situation because, you know, we have a house of six people in it and they were doing the, the deliveries for us at night and they were mindful of the fact that that could have been them so they wanted to do more, they were intent on doing more. And it, again, it, it's about the health. There's those services that are there are stretched beyond their means and they work very, very hard to meet the demand. But we do need a better strategy, a much better strategy than what we have. And this is where now with the new government, we're hoping that we can put this in place for once and for all because losing people is not what we signed up to. We don't want anybody to, to die to, you know, and to die on our streets. We don't want anybody, you know, the suicide yeah. rate was huge as well. We can't forget about that. And people were hurt in so many ways, losing jobs losing businesses, have not having enough money at home. Their bills still stay, stay the same. They're outgoing, still stay, stay the same. And for some, the 350 COVID-19 payment wasn't enough for them to stretch it. So we had people like that that were coming to us for food because they were they just didn't have, they couldn't stretch it. You can't stretch 350 if you're receiving something like 550 or 600 or even 450 a week. You know, you're used to your budget, your plan. And you can get by. But when it was reduced to a loss for 350, they found it very, very hard. So we had people that were in those circumstances come to us to ask us to help for food. 
And how are things in Penny Dinners now? I mean, you mentioned there about those, unfortunately, who, who did pass away over the yeah. uh, lockdown. I mean, what if some of your volunteers, would they have come across those people and found those people on the streets or elsewhere? Well, we... I, I, we we were there for we were there for one, and that brought savage pain in, into everybody's heart. Like when we were there, and you know the the, the hope and the willingness when CPR was being performed, like that that that, that this wouldn't happen, and um, it was very raw, and it touched a lot of nerves in all of us just to see just to see this happen and um, we were there and sure, of course there was prayers and there was hope and willing you know the, um, the fire brigade were there and willing them on you know and some of the, the lads from the, the homeless community were doing the CPR first before the fire brigade came and just to see um, and to feel the hopelessness that was there but people were still trying to muster enough strength like you know for to will this person like to respond you know and that was very very hard to look at it was very you know I, I was yeah and and everybody just felt like that no one wants that at all ever ever no one and within Penny Dinners, I know I spent a, a day with you there before Christmas of last year. And firsthand, I saw the work you do, the amount of food that is gets delivered to families who need it, those families yeah. who are coming in, who you treat with great respect and dignity. And even families who have come in, as you mentioned there, who were used to a good lifestyle and not through their own fault, out of nowhere, they find themselves with no job and things have changed very fast for them. I've seen firsthand how you deal with all of that. Uh, how are you going to get back to some normality now because there is restrictions and not everybody can open or operate in the way they can at the moment. So how are you operating there within well, Penny Dinners? Do you know, up to this week we were doing hampers as well up in St Vincent's Arlindo Football Club mm-hmm. and they they gave it over to us because we were stretched as well and we were going morning, noon and night and it, it was great because we had a team in there that are volunteers and they're kind of mountain climbers, the men, and they're used to going, you know, the, in for the, the long haul. So they were there doing all the hampers. They still are at the minute. And um, <clears throat> we're, we'll have to move that operation back to Penny Dinners. No, it was much easier up there, obviously. But in Penny Dinners at the minute, just people, what's happening now is people come to, to the door and they get their meal. They get their four-course meal. It's in the bag. They also get sandwiches. They get juice. They get a drink. They'll get crisps and a bit of fruit, you know, and anything else that we have inside. So we give them all a good substantial bag going away every day. And um, then they can come back again if they want another one. We have drivers then that will take food to very vulnerable families and vulnerable people. And we have in the evening times, there was a lot of people put up in emergency accommodation in hotels and B&Bs and hostels, but they had no cooking facilities. So we stepped in there and we would take what we were given out at the door, like the four-course meal and the extras to them. So we had drivers that were doing that at night as well. So like at seven, the, the work was continuous and there was continuous cooking going on. And Rory over in the River Lee, he, he, the, the River Lee Hotel, they were closed. And the chefs knew how busy we were, so they offered their services. And they cooked meals to enhance our meals for us. 
Tom of South County in, um, in Douglas, he came on board and his chef and himself, they cooked meals for us. It was like the likes of Apache Pizza, Tom, and Lavish, and Boojum, and another few places. They got together and they cooked meals to enhance. Otherwise, we'd be cooking from 6 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock at night and stop. And we had to streamline our volunteers, which meant that a load of volunteers couldn't come in. We might have only five in the building at any one time. And two of those, maybe three, could be chefs or cooks. So they had to wash the floors, clean the floors. They had to do everything, multitask. So it was very, very hard for the team that we had in there. But they stood the test and just it was just phenomenal. You know, what, what they did yeah. and what they're still doing. And great yeah. that the businesses, like you mentioned there, came together and got through it and actually, you know, brought the food and enhanced your uh, food situation yeah. for those as well. It just shows that people were there at a time when you needed them and a time when those who wanted the food and required the food needed it also. I have a lot of yeah. texts in here wishing you well. One from um, the gang in Wheeling who said, well done to Katrina on her great work and the people in Wheeling made a, f- a donation and a food donation a few weeks ago uh, to her so they want to wish you well and a lot of people and asking Could I just yeah. say something on that? Um, there's a lady down in Kilburn Margaret O'Callaghan mm-hmm. and she set up um, it's called Parish to Parish it's um, home baking and food donations for penny dinners and this week on Sunday it's happening in Mill Street and Margaret did her calculations and if every parish does this one Sunday it'll be five years before it comes around to them to do it again so we've been to Kilbrin and we've been to Meelan and Bally, we were in Bally Desmond last week. And it's just amazing the amount of food and the goodwill that's out there. Even when we were down in Bally Desmond the other day, um, people were flying down in case they'd miss us, you know, and stuff like that. And then, you know, the people from the villages are, are there and the towns to help load up the, the vans for us or else they'll bring it up. Um, and if they don't, we go down in, in the van to bring it up. But it's lovely to meet them. But it's a fantastic initiative. And just, you know, like this, as I said, this Sunday, it's Mill Street. So we're looking forward to, to that. And they, those that can't bake or don't have any food are making donations. So I reckon between all the parishes that Margaret has on board, you know, that it will bring in about 10,000 euros in donations for penny dinners, which, again, is phenomenal. But just to see what people were doing, bus Aaron filled, wanted to fill a bus for us, and they filled seven buses, and they drove through the streets of Cork with Cork Penny Dinners written as the destination, and the, the buses, you know, there was, and all the GEA clubs got aboard, and the, the, the soccer clubs, and there was, there was the shops, you know, there was food drives everywhere, there are some taking place in Duns all over the city, you know, every day of the week. And anybody can go in and just throw something into the trolley for us. And um, if it wasn't for all of that, if it wasn't for it coming together of people, the lifeline I suppose we created wouldn't have happened at all. Of course, yeah. And it just shows the great work of the communities you mentioned there in Hollow and across the city as well and what they do. Yeah. Uh, Katrina, thank you for joining us again. People uh, can continue to donate to you. Uh, and there's, as you mentioned, there are various areas of North Cork that are doing various things over the next few days. And we'll give them a mention later for the moment. Thanks, Katrina, for joining us this morning and giving us an insight uh, to what still unfortunately is happening on our city streets. I know I, I, we see pictures the whole time, Katrina, coming up of, of warehouses and indeed of old yeah. buildings that could be turned into homes 
uh, for those homeless and that's a situation a conversation we might go back to uh, on another day because I see tweets coming in and that for the moment I'm over in time so thanks for joining us Katrina and we'll, we'll catch up again soon and, and you mind yourself as well okay and thanks to everyone that helps what keeps us going. We'll pass it on. Thanks, Katrina. Take care. What a great woman. What a great work they're doing in Penny Dinners. And it doesn't it just show while you're walking around, well, any town, I suppose, or any street, but while you're walking around the city streets in particular uh, and everybody's busy rushing around and we were all speaking about the shops opening and bars opening and all of that and people are rushing in to book a seat in a bar and uh, streets were lining out, uh, having, you know, the tables and chairs on the streets, which is all great and it's all great for tourism. There still is this under underworld you could call it in Cork whereby this is happening and whereby we have people who are on the streets who have found themselves in that situation because something's gone wrong in their life and then you have a charge like Penny Dinners uh, doing what they are doing and seeing firsthand what is happening in a different world uh, within our city uh, some would say in a way it's kind of frightening to think that that is happening while some and most of us continue uh, to get on with our lives and it's in every city and in every town unfortunately anyhow uh, well done to all of those out there who are doing great things as well uh, for Penny Dinners our lines are open 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 Our Garda file is next Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 And time for this week's Garda file we go to Model Garda Station and join Sergeant Tony Cronin Good morning to you Tony Good morning John Paul And first of all uh, this week Carmi Fair which has been spoken about a lot over the last number of months as people were worried that this would go ahead and with the COVID-19 restrictions and the gathering of people there was a fear locally in the Buttevant area and indeed the wider area of North Cork that crowds would gather from all over the country and beyond but Carmi is not going ahead this year That is uh, correct John Paul it's out on social media uh, to the Garda social media etc that um, there won't be a fair this year due to the the COVID um, uh, pandemic which has occurred and basically we need people to stay safe so you, if the fair was to be held, you would have a lot of people uh, coming, congregating. You would have had a couple of thousand people uh, up and down the main street. So you would have had the locals integrating with people who would be coming from other counties and out uh, within the county also. So it just wasn't safe uh, to run this. So basically, there won't be a fair in operation this year. And the Gardaí have made that uh, public knowledge and been advising the public uh, with what uh, restrictions will be in place, be it, we'll say, uh, travel, etc. So the Gardaí will be out in Butfant um, and on the roads as usual on a daily occurrence and will be patrolling the areas. So just to reiterate that there won't be a fair uh, partaking this year on Monday next, the 13th of July, so that the people would be aware of that. Okay, and something, Tony, we're getting a lot of calls here this week on, and this is bogus phone calls to people and scam calls going around. Yes, uh, we have two types of of bogus callers at the moment. One is by phone and one is in person. The one by phone usually uh, is about people giving you some form of good news, that you're entitled to a rebate or a refund, and we need your credit card details, your bank account details, and it'll be in your account at the within half an hour, etc. So basically, we would ask the public not to um, listen to any of these people who are ringing you. They have got your phone number from some business or whatever site, and not not to be entertaining them. 
And if you have any query or any doubt, to contact the main branch of whether it is a financial service or whether it is revenue or whether it is a building firm, anything like that, just to say you've received a call and can they clarify, please. So please don't give any details, uh, personal details, your bank account, PIN numbers, credit card numbers, anything like that to anyone over the phone. That's, um, any fin- financial institutions will tell you they won't ring you and ask for your details over the phone. So just be mindful of that. And the second one then, John Paul, is we, we're still getting the odd bogus caller, uh, especially calling to the elderly people and looking to see that they need um, work done to the outside the house, be it gutters, painting, a footpath uh, fixed, etc. And they'll say what they'll do in the line of work, and there'll be no actual fee agreed, but yet when they see money, they'll, they'll take the money. So you, there's no contract, and there's no contact details. It's, it's kind of word of mouth visible, and this is how they operate. And when they see money... They'll take the money and they're gone and you've no comeback in them. And they're still, even though people are slow to call the doors these days, they're still doing the rounds uh, recently enough, are they? Yes, it, it, it's still happening and it's happening in the, the Mallow District, it's happening in Fermoy, Middleton District, it's happening nationwide. And uh, they basically take an area where they'll call to and they'll see if they can locate elderly people who might be living in an isolated area or might be living on their own and take a chance and say that they would do some garden work or housework for them, repair whatever it is to a window, and person might initially be delighted to get someone to do it, but uh, they wouldn't know anything about them. So yeah, and take a reg, I suppose. If, if you see a car or a van and you're uh, getting this advice now, just take the reg as well so they can report it to Gardaí. Exactly. So what we would encourage people is not to uh, agree anything with the person or persons. If you want someone to do a job and you still want to uh, get a caller who calls out of the blue to you, ask them to call back when you have a neighbour there with you or a family friend or a family member and that you can verify that what is being done is, is, is proper work and for an agreed amount. And once you're happy, then that's fine. But you, you have to basically satisfy yourself that the work has been done to a proper standard and that you're not going to get caught, really. You'll be conned by, the, by this person or persons who just called you out of the blue. Yeah, just be careful and maybe go yeah. to a recognised person, as you mentioned, go or someone you know, person. Yeah, not just someone who lands on your door exactly. at a strange time during the day. And you want to mention a couple of lost items uh, and properly found in the Mallow area. Yes, in the last week now, we had two phones that were lost, uh, Hawaii phone and an iPhone, black iPhone, in Mallow, in the vicinity of the town. And it's in the last week. So, again, if you found a phone uh, or you know someone who did, you would ask, we'd ask them to call Malagarda Station and we could contact uh, the owners of these phones then. Also, we had uh, two keys separately, which were uh, found in the last week, uh, one on the Park Road and one outside the church on the Main Street in here in Dave Street in Mallow. So if you lost a single key... Uh, maybe one of those is yours and you can contact the Garda station in Mallow and you'd be able to identify your key. So that might be some good news for someone. Also, in Fermoy, we had lost property and that was the, the 4th of July last where uh, a wallet um, was lost and there's some personal uh, identification inside it. So we would ask you, if you found it, please contact the Garda in Fermoy with any information uh, on, on that. 
And finally, a lot of road works on in the area, Tony, at the moment. You want to mention uh, works on the reconstruction of bridges, and this is off the N72, due to start in August. That's right, John Paul. So the area we're talking about is beyond Longville House, as you're heading towards the Ballyclaw direction. There are two uh, relatively small bridges uh, in a short space there, maybe within 150 yards of each other. And there's improvements going on in those bridges. That will start sometime around the 8th to the 10th of August, and it could take up until maybe the 20th to the 30th of September this year, approximately. So maybe five, six week, seven week uh, work span. Now, there will be diversions in place from um, the cottages, we'll say, at the first bridge past Longville. You will be able to access the Longville House, uh, that general vicinity, but anything beyond that will be diverted and well signposted. And just for people to be aware of that, uh, Tony, thank you for that this morning. And we'll chat to you soon again. That is Sergeant Tony Cronin there joining us from Mallow Garda Station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Don't you know we're talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know we're talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around for a promotion Don't you know Talking about a revolution Sounds Who are people gonna rise up And get their share Who are people gonna rise up And take what's there Don't you know you better run, run, run
Tracy Chapman talking about a revolution at C103 on Cork today. If you have a pet in your household, you have a question. Well, our pet expert, our resident vet, Jane Pickett, is along later this hour. You can call Bernie or Sadie now with your questions. 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Jane will join us from the Ollinwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket just after 12.30 this afternoon. But now back to your calls and comments to the show on various issues we've we've been discussing uh, earlier on uh, this morning. One though here from Marie. Now Marie is from West Cork uh, but she's had to travel to the city to drop someone off at the Mercy Hospital of late. But one thing she has found that there is no parking outside the hospital. Now there is parking there but it's always very busy and always full. Uh, Now she's not from the city. She's not used to the city and she's not used to the technology that she would need, she says, to find a space and to pay by phone. She doesn't have a smartphone or indeed Marie doesn't have a debit card. She says, is there no allowance made for people who are not tech savvy, asked Marie. Uh, well, I know the area you're speaking about in the city and all areas of the city, if you're, if you're street parking, that is, uh, you will have to pay you will basically have to, it's, you can, I think it's two euro um, in the majority of the streets for a, usually a one hour or two hour limit. And yes, you're right, Marie, that can be done uh, by what you mentioned there. There is a smartphone app, I think it's pay by phone or pay by car or something it's called. Uh, it's run by the city council and you can, I've used that in the past, you can park up in the side of the street and you can pay uh, your, you, you top up that particular account by whatever amount of money you wish and you can pay uh, that over the, the number of uh, number of times you want to pay. You can put 10 euros into that account and you can keep using it until you go to top up again. But there was, and I presume there still is, discs, parking discs that you could always buy in certain shops. So the discs, I'm sure anybody who has gone to the city will be familiar with these. You scratch off the time limit uh, that you're going to spend in that particular area or, or when you actually parked up uh, in that particular area. So if you land at a parking space at four o'clock, you just scratch off the 1600 hours. And then uh, w- with that in mind, you can uh, park there if it is a two hour limit until six. So uh, you will see signs with a P on some shops selling parking discs or go into the majority of shops in and around the Mercy in uh, the Maradike area or in Washington Street or any of those areas they all do sell uh, the parking disc most of them sell anyhow you can just go in and ask them and they'll tell you straight away so you could purchase one of those I presume they're still there I haven't used one for a while to be totally honest because I'm using that app you mentioned Murray uh, the the Park by Phone app I'm using that and I find that handier that I can just park up and if I look in the car and I don't have any parking discs at least then I know uh, without me getting caught when I'm but by the time I, I park the car, run down to the shop and run back up, I won't be caught with a ticket. So I just go on the app now and do it. So I, I can see your point of view. If you're not tech savvy, if you don't have a smartphone, there is an issue there. So let us know. I presume those parking discs are still available, are they? Uh, for Marie, let us know. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. If you frequently park on the city streets, uh, you will have surely have that answer. Uh, still on about parking here. Uh, Michael says he sees the traffic wardens are back in Mallow uh, checking the street parking. Uh, yeah, the traffic wardens uh, from the city, they have come out and said they are back uh, operating as normal. So I presume they are now in county towns as well. We are checking with Cork County Council to get confirmation. But if you say they are, Michael, yes, they will, will be back again as things return to some normality. And on drink driving and everything that has come out over the last week from politicians 
Uh, with regards to drink driving uh, this morning uh, Pat Buckley who admitted that he did drink drive back in 2013 he's come out this morning to say that he also had a learner uh, driving licence at that particular time uh, more comments on that John and Glanton saying that uh, regarding Barry Cowan and Pat Buckley Pat Buckley because people were making the point how come Pat Buckley's uh, challenge and well, not challenge but his uh, punishment if you want to call it that uh, how come that was more than Barry Cowan's well uh, John John making the point that Pat Buckley was three times over the limit but Barry was just marginally over the limit so you can't compare the two when you're speaking about uh, what fines and, and what way the judgment went on both of them uh, says John in Glanton that's uh, listeners earlier who were comparing both while Paul in Drummond League on that issue says if I went for a job with the guards and I had a conviction for drink driving and I said I was sorry would the superintendent give me a post as a guard I don't think so, says Paul in Drimmer League. On the issue of homelessness in our city, and first of all, on penny dinners, Esther uh, saying, just listening to Katrina, what a wonderful woman. Uh, does she ever get a night's sleep? Uh, bless her work, says Esther. While also Dave uh, says uh, earlier, I was mentioning about th- there seems to be two sides to our city. And Dave says, yes, I agree with you. I think there is uh, totally two sides to our city. There's the side, Dave says, where we all rush about with our own daily lives. And then we have those who are homeless, struggling to live, trying to locate food. And then you have the likes of penny dinners and others helping out. So while we all, Dave says, sees uh, the homeless people on the streets, on the laneways, it is a different kind of city for them than it is for us. And there's a two tiers in our city, Dave says, when you hear what Katrina is describing. And a lot of us don't even know the half of it, Dave, on text to 0862103103. And Jim was on, because earlier, uh, Joanne said, a person she knew was in a hotel, they got a couple of drinks and they were given a bowl of chips without ordering them and they were also given a receipt with a full nine euro meal written on this receipt just in case someone came in to check. And Jim was wondering if that woman, Joanne, was charged the nine euros for the bowl of chips. Well, no, according to her, she was given a receipt, given the chips, but basically that was just to show if someone came in checking that they had food and that they paid for it. And then that would clarify the laws and that's what the fear is happening out there could be happening in many places. Uh, Joanne saying she's her friend told her that's what happened to them. But uh, as Michael Collins, the independent TD uh, earlier pointed out, uh, with everything going on, there still was 26 pubs uh, who could be prosecuted for breaching the regulations. So Gardiero checking in force. And I'm not too sure if a bar or the hotel that Joanne's friend was in could be one of those. Uh, that is breaching we don't know where they are uh, but they are being checked on so that would be considered a breach if they could not prove that they did not buy the food anyhow uh, thank you Jim for your text to 0862103103 I suppose making the point there is ways and rounds or there's there's ways and means around all laws isn't there but you can get caught to another way and maybe that's what some bars were trying to do Uh, and that's uh, what Joanne's friends has seen and what's happened to her it doesn't mean that every single bar is doing that or hotel is doing that either on the issue for Catherine remember Catherine who was having the issue of blue bottles which were on her window in her kitchen and when she went to clean them they just fell off they died and she had a number of them uh, dying on her windowsill and we had other people who were in the same situation as well who had dead flies on their windowsills and the reason when they checked it out afterwards was because they had a dead animal that they were on 
not aware of either outside their house it could have been a dead mouse it could have been a bird uh, a number of people have rung up saying there was dead birds in their chimneys or around the house or in their attic so to keep in mind for that and Dennis says you also have to clean your house properly uh, make sure there's no bits of dirt or traces anywhere in and around your house that could attract these particular flies as well so just take a note of that in corners where usually you mightn't be able to check uh, just take note of that because they will trace and look for any particles of food and a call from Margaret and not too sure what has happened in this situation but Margaret is saying this is coming to come to um, land and basically do you know where the if you're driving along the road and the ditches are overgrown and uh, it's up to the landowner to sort that particular issue well Margaret is saying farmers who don't look after their land uh, are being penalised but other farmers according to Margaret can take away ditches and nothing is done now when you say take away ditches are they just knocking down the ditches are they removing the ditches for planning for a house or, or what are they actually doing because I presume if they're uh, taking away a ditch there's a reason for that uh, Margaret is making the point that she I presume Margaret you mean you're not happy uh, that farmers can go along and take away a ditch while others who don't look after their land and have shrubs and trees and whatever overgrowing affecting road u- users that they uh, seem to get away with it um, or th- th- they don't, sorry that they don't get away with it they get penalised but the ones then who just take away ditches don't get penalised is that the point you're making Margaret? Uh, let us know on that uh, and why is the particular farmer removing a ditch I mean if they can if they've been given permission uh, for planning well, I presume they are allowed to take away their ditch uh, while those farmers then when you say they're being penalised they're being penalised because they're not upholding the law I suppose if if there is a tree or a bush or whatever uh, growing out onto a roadway and obstructing traffic anyhow Margaret uh, thank you for your call 1850 I have a few people asking about water in the Knocknagree area there's a burst water main in Doombridge Knocknagree at the moment and there will be no water in the Knocknagree area until around 8 o'clock this evening it's also affecting Knockduff it's also affecting Umarboy and Cullen uh, so that's due to the burst water main in Doombridge affecting the Knocknagreen area also the area of Cullen and on bogus corners, callers even which uh, Sergeant Tony Cronin mentioned from Mallow Garda Station earlier on and this is what one person does uh, she says anybody that comes to my door I tell them that my son doesn't allow me to do anything without his permission so that usually gets rid of them when they call and Jer says yes they're at it again I got a guy calling to me yesterday he was looking up at my shoots and he said I need to clean them and then he goes well we're offering a service at the moment to clean roofs and indeed various parts of your house we could do this for you and he said I could pay in advance uh, this was in the Mallow area. I told him I am okay and that my son is out the back doing work and he will look after that for me. And that, after that conversation, that particular guy went. The only thing is, Jar says, I didn't see any van. I saw no car. I'm on a side country road, so I don't know where he parked. Maybe he parked a bit up from my house. That was the only thing I could not see what he was driving and I did not want to follow him out onto the road uh, for my own safety uh, but once uh, Juris said my son was there uh, then he went away so just ask everybody to be careful because they are about North Cork at the moment uh, says Jur on text 086 
So as Tony says, just beware of that because these people are operating and they'd only scam you a lot of money and you'd have no way of tracing then who they are. Uh, but you could be down a lot of money. And Mary Inrathmore on health issues saying uh, when Simon Harris was the Minister for Health, he did promise free health care for those under 12. Now, that was under discussion and some of the GPs were not happy about that. So that was still at discussion stages at that stage he also promised to extend the medical card thresholds for over 70s will this happen now well in the new government I must double check was it part of the programme for government uh, was it something they were going to continue over from the last government and have to double check I know on the the, the under 12s and free childcare uh, there is well, there was a lot of talk at the time for GPs uh, when it came to the issue of the under 6s free childcare they felt there was too much pressure being put on GPs so the same came from this particular idea uh, that surgeries would become too busy and it would then uh, have a knock-on effect on other patients trying to go and see their doctor. Anyhow, uh, thank you for your call 1850 You can text or WhatsApp 86 Same numbers by the way if you have a pet question for Jane, uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood, the Islandwood Veterinary uh, Hospital in Newmarket, which of course, of course are part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Uh, Jane is along in about 10 minutes time. If you have a question for Jane, get that into us now on 1850-333-103. And now we're going to hear shortly about how six families have been given keys to their new homes in Nocknahini. It's part of a regeneration scheme. It's happening right across the country. And this is one that has happening in the northwest part of Cork City. We'll hear about that next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And any time in the month of July, you can run, you can walk the Cork McSherry 10k road race route. Now, it's the usual route. And if you do that, you can use the entry ID that they emailed you when you register. So you can enter your time. And indeed, uh, you then, when by entering your time, you provide the evidence, of course, that you completed the course. Now, the entries will be collated and the runners and walkers leagues tables will be regularly updated. There will be a prize uh, for the fastest female and male runner, uh, but you will also receive a free entry to the raffle each time you register. Proceeds from this event will be split between the Cork McSherry Rowing Club Building Fund and the raffle and racing prizes and also Churchtown Community Council their fundraising to refurbish their community hall and they're asking people to donate a slate for a cost of €20 Euro for their community hall. So for everyone who contributes €100 Euros and over uh, there is a draw for an Apple iPad worth €4 100 euros you can donate online now just go to ifundraise.ie forward slash cts community hall blueprint for next cap revealed for more in your farmer's journal here's paul mooney we exclusively reveal the department's plans for disadvantaged area payments income supports early retirement new carbon payments and a new tan scheme plus lamb prices hit five-year high as breeding sales kick off and would you like to win €10,000 to spend on your farm in association with Zurich Farm Insurance? Pick up an entry form inside this week's Irish Farmers Journal. On sale now. Are you in the market for a new car? Take a trip to Mill Street to view the outstanding Kia range at Coleman's. We're offering 0% finance on the new Sportage, Seed, Stonic, Soul Electric and Nero PHEV. Sample the superb build quality that comes as standard with every Kia product and the peace of mind that goes with our unique seven-year warranty. Before you decide, it pays to take a trip to Coleman's of Mill Street. Call us 029-700-11 or view our new and new stock on colemansmillstreet.com. 
COVID-19 is still spreading around the world. Many countries are experiencing a resurgence of infections. Ireland has made huge progress in suppressing the virus, but the risk of importing the virus from other countries remains high. We all have a responsibility to protect our hard-won gains, to save lives and to get Ireland back on its feet. We are still in this together and for the good of the country, advice on international travel remains the same. Specifically, people living in Ireland are asked not to make any unnecessary overseas journeys until further notice. So please, holiday at home in 2020. People who are visiting or returning to Ireland must restrict their movement for 14 days. We all have a role to play in suppressing the virus. Our future is in our hands. Full details are available at gov.ie. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103103. And for Marie, who was at the Mercy the other day and she could not get a parking space, and parking is limited outside the Mercy. If you were ever going there, you'd be well aware of that. And for Marie, she said the only way that she could actually park was on this street, but she felt it unfair that the only way she was told to park was by using the pay by phone app and with that particular app you top it up you get an account uh, but for Marie she doesn't have a smartphone and she could not use that facility she was asking is there any other way around this she said it was unfair for those who aren't tech savvy well uh, Marie I did mention those parking discs and I haven't used one myself for a while because I'm using that app that you actually mentioned but uh, parking discs are on sale and they are in shops so you'll get them from any retailer that's selling those particular parking discs when you the next time hopefully not you don't have to go to the Mercy again uh, but if you ever do have to go to that area you can get them in the various shops that sell parking discs for example a number of calls on uh, also similar to yourself saying that they were at the Mercy the other day and they went to Centra on Washington Street and they had parking discs and that is one of the closest shops to uh, the actual Mercy Hospital. And also Anna saying if you don't want to park in the street, the North Main Street car park, that is very handy also and uh, near the Mercy Hospital plus it has lifts uh, and I suppose if you were taking someone out of the hospital there's a lift there as well to bring them uh, down the lift or up the lift if it's easier for them than walking or using steps. So the North Main Street car park uh, thank you, Anna. Uh, that could be an option there as well. But those discs I mentioned, they are available and still for sale in many of the shops across the city. Now, six families have been given the keys to their new homes in Nochnihini this week. They're moving into the next phase of the 170 million euro Northwest Regeneration Scheme in the city. And our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, she visited this new site this week. She first of all spoke to Rose Hornybrook and Mary O'Mahony, who got the keys to their new homes as part part of the six families who were living in Glandor Park and also on the Harbourview Road. They are now relocating to their new home, which is called Bearer Drive. Oh, the excitement. I really can't believe it. I can't believe, even when I come in, I have to pinch myself that this is my new home. It's beautiful. What was the old house like? Oh, shocking. Shocking, the conditions that we lived in. It was cold, the dampness, you know, and you keep trying to clean it and back out again the next day like it was terrible terrible you know and you could hear everything next door and you know the kettle switch the shower you'd hear everything you know so they were 34 years Mm. long time 34 years is there any kind of sadness that you're leaving the old house Uh, well my kids were 
uh, rare there, you, you know, so you're bound to have a bit there. But or the conditions, I just so happy. The conditions weren't great, like, you know. But I'll bring my memories with me, you know, and then I'll have all new memories. I have a beautiful grandson, JJ, so he's three and a half now, so I have him, you know, and coming into a new house with him, the excitement, you know. And he said, Nana's house and JJ's house, you know, so the excitement of that, you know, he didn't see it yet now. So, oh, so what, what is your house like then? You can see by looking around, beautiful. Oh, like the windows, the bay window. I always loved the bay window, you, you know, when we see the houses. Oh, my God, like, I just, I can't believe, I can't believe we're so lucky to get beautiful homes like this. You know, and we deserve them, you, you know, for the conditions that we lived in. For, for years, yeah. you know, and the, the bedrooms are bigger, the toilet downstairs, which we didn't have over. No, the toilets are downstairs, but I put my bathroom up years ago over in Glando Park, so we where we have the two here now, so, you know. And it's like the community is moving to here. You oh, all should we have all our neighbours, you know, my neighbours, that's with me now, and uh, next door to me, she's moving right next door again to me, so... You know, we're together 34 years, we're neighbours, you know, and they're great neighbours. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I can't wait now for all the parties and the grandson, you know, to have have a great time out here. The privacy is beautiful. You know, we didn't have that in the old house, like, so it's great. Oh, I have all my flowers all done. They're done since May, I think. I have all the pots already and to hang on the walls. Yeah. (laughs) And the butterflies, you know, I've all those, the solo. (laughs) It'll be like the airport, all the solo panels I have. Yeah. It'll be like Cork Airport. (laughs) The planes will land and come into my back, you know. It's it's great. Amazing. Fantastic. We're delighted. We're really delighted with it. We were just living um, a few hundred yards down in Harbourview Road. Um, we were there for 20 years, myself, Orla and Abby. Uh, they were four and nine when I moved in. I know they're going on 24 and 29. So uh, this is a big change. The, the difference in the house, the structure, what's in it, the heating, everything, the flooring. Uh, when we moved in 20 years ago to Harbourview Road, there was there was nothing. There was just a sink in the kitchen. There are very cold houses. There's no insulation there. And they were, um, like, in the winter, for example, you would have the fire blazing early in the day and you'd have the heating up full and the house would still be cold. Maybe the sitting room would be hot because of the fireplace when you'd walk out um, into the hall up the stairs. The bedrooms were always cold and there was a double red in the back bedroom and if that would be on full... I mean, I would pay, I might, my gas bills would be 200, 220 per month. Per month. Per month, yeah. We'd have the heating on full up to the, the highest, right? And if you turned her off even for five minutes, the house would go cold. And was it dampness? Dampness, oh, very, yeah, a lot of dampness. In the bathroom, um, I mean, we'd all that, I got all that tiled and it still came through. Uh, the bedrooms, terrible, like really terrible every week like when you're you know you're doing your cleaning there on a Saturday pull out the beds scrub it paint over it and the following Saturday was the same and Orla's asthmatic like so her back bedroom in the back bedroom like the dampness under those windows was very bad so I just had to keep cleaning it and keep getting it off so um, no 
we can't get over the difference. Great. Do you know your neighbours? Oh, yes, yes. My neighbours um, next door, Mr and Mrs Lynch, they've been on Harbourview nearly 40 years. So they, they came with me. So I'm here and they're next door and next door to them. Then our, our neighbours that were back to back to us, uh, they were in Glendale Park. So everybody knows. Everybody knows everyone in Ockney anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like uh, you're sad to be leaving the old place because you're coming home? Well, w- I suppose we would be a bit sad. Like, I mean, the kids grew up there. The communions, confirmations, starting secondary, starting college, all that happened. Um, they went from little small kids to, to women. So that, that's sad, that part. But having said that, then, the dampness, the cold... I won't miss that. You, know? <laughs> you can start your new memories here. And we can start our new memories, yeah. We're for, uh, Orla's due our first baby in December, so we'll have, I'll become a, a granny in this house. So <laughs> that's why she got the bigger bedroom. <laughs> but um, yeah, upwards and onwards, is it? Um, they say. Yeah, and there we are. New memories for those people there. That was Mary O'Mahony and also Rose Hornibrook who have been speaking with our senior news reporter Fiona Cochran who visited those news homes in Knocknaheeny this week. Six families given keys to their new homes there and they're relocating from Glandor Park and Harbourview Road to the new location of Bearer Drive. And if you want to see more of those houses, they described the best they could there for radio. But if you want to actually watch them, you can go online to the C103 Twitter feed or indeed to C103 on Facebook and you can watch Fiona speaking to those ladies there uh, at their new homes and have a look around their new homes as well on Facebook and indeed on Twitter. Now we were speaking regarding Penny Dinners and indeed the work they do and Dave and a few more people have been comparing how uh, the city is like a two-tier society or there's an, I, I described it kind of like an underworld or a different uh, world happening in the city than, than a lot of us see on a daily basis uh, that the fact that we're all rushing around doing our own thing and underneath all of this you have people who are homeless that we do see in the streets but uh, that are living a very different life uh, a lot of different things are going on at night time that we're not aware of and it's the likes of Penny Dinners uh, are out helping these people and these and they see firsthand what is going on well on that John and Blackpool says listening to all of this I just wrote a little poem that I think is significant in this age it's called you're a special in you. And here it goes. He says, Life is easy, or so they say. We all know, not always that way. People rush here, people rush there. Sometimes I wonder, do they really care? In all your troubles and in all your trails, do your best. Keep up your smile. Some days you feel good, some days you feel blue. Always remember, you're a special in you. No, that's a nice to call a poem there from John in Blackpool uh, when people were remembering and discussing the fact that we're all so busy and everybody's rushing, rushing and racing and running around to get things done even after the actual lockdown then we all thought after the lockdown people would change but that hasn't happened we all thought that life uh, would be at a slower pace again that hasn't happened the traffic is is as busy as ever on our roads and people are rushing around and because of that uh, and hearing what Katrina Toomey was saying people are saying God we haven't learned really have we and uh, there is a a different kind of world out there uh, that a lot of people are unaware of uh, under everything in Cork City and hi to Donny and also Simon was on uh, regarding this as well to us uh, some people are concerned we'll discuss this tomorrow on the show uh, there's even an advert on local papers uh, an advert also in the Echo and this wants to do for an application for an offshore licence 
in Kinsale and it's for the wind turbines I presume uh, to be planned offshore of Kinsale and the people that have contacted us are worried uh, will you be able to see these wind turbines from Kinsale will you see them from the harbour where are they going to be placed and all of that so we're going to look into that for you and we'll have more information for you on tomorrow's show your pet questions though are welcome 1850 333 103 R&D text or WhatsApp 0862 because Jane Pickish of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins us next. Or today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And as usual on a Thursday we're joined by Jane Pickish of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And good afternoon to you Jane. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm fine, how are you? I'm okay, thanks. Now a lot of questions in, we'll get straight to them this afternoon. And the first one here is from a person on WhatsApp and it's regarding a 10-year female Springer Spaniel. Now, neutered in general good health but beginning to age. They say early signs of arthritis, cataracts in the eye and cartilage in knees was inflamed earlier in the summer and required anti-inflammatory from the vet. So, vaccinations by the way are also up to date but what would you recommend at this stage? Just wondering what diet uh, would Jane recommend? Up to now uh, she's on a mix of wet and dry food. Someone suggested gain retired greyhound nuts might be good as they have omega content to lubricant the joints is this suitable for a springer or what would Jane suggest on this one Hmm. I think diet wise in this particular dog it might be beneficial to go for certainly a senior diet Um, so they're generally kind of branded according to age groups so you have your puppy and young dog your adult dog and this dog at 10 years of age will fall into a senior category so first and foremost make sure you pick a senior food Second thing that might be worth thinking about um, is a, a, a diet enriched with glucosamine and chondroitin. So there are two things that support joint health. Now, there's two ways of doing this. Some prescription diets are available and your vet can talk to you about those that would have food enriched with these with these components. But you can actually get additives that you add into the food. They're like a little pump that you put into the food, a little bit of liquid that mixes through. They usually taste quite nice, so they don't mind them. Um, and that can help to support joint health. But the one thing I would say is those things are all great and they do help. They're part of a larger jigsaw though. So if your dog is actively getting signs of stiffness and soreness, it's like ourselves. I think we really underestimate pain in our in our four-legged patients and I think our caller has done really, really well to recognise the signs of pain and go to their vet for assistance. Um, it's like ourselves. If we were really, really creaky and sore and uncomfortable all day, even if it was just a little bit of a, a soreness in a joint, it does begin to grate after a little while. So I think it's important to just prioritise comfort with these patients. So I think you've done a great job getting initial treatment for your dog. It might be best if you're noticing these signs ongoing to go back and discuss whether long-term treatment might be appropriate. So a lot of dogs that I would have with similar symptoms will be on medications long term to control the inflammation in their joints, to control the pain. But your own vet will be the best person to guide you as regards that because they will know your dog well and they'll be able to examine him fully and just figure out what's the best for your dog's lifestyle and your own lifestyle. So what fits best. Um, but I think diet is a good component as well and really kind of focusing on on incorporating the glucosamine and the chondroitin very much to ourselves um, can help a lot. But I think comfort is the priority. Okay, and Anne has a fine, healthy Labrador, but she drinks a lot of water now. Is that normal? Hmm, it can be. 
so water intake really depends on a lot of things. Um, if your dog is otherwise really, really well in himself uh, and he's always done this, then this may be normal for him to a certain extent. Um, if it's a change, however, change is what we look for and that definitely requires investigation. Water intake can depend on a lot of things. Sometimes it's actually diet. So let's say a dog that eats just dry nuts will tend to drink a lot more than a dog that eats nuts and wet food um, because they're getting a bit of hydration from the wet food as well. Either way, they get the hydration in is fine with me. Um, I think it is dependent on a lot of things like weather as well. If it's a very hot day, like ourselves, they're probably going to drink a little bit more because they're sweating a little bit more um, to keep the hydration up. I think if you're concerned and you've noticed the drinking and you feel it's abnormal, the best thing to do is to get a little pee sample from your dog. And this is the easiest way of catching this is wait until they're in, in you know, performing the act, as it were, and lunge under with a, an old lunchbox or something like that, something nice and clean to catch a little bit of the pee. And make an appointment with your vet and bring the little pee sample with you. I always love it when people walk through my door armed with pee when their dogs are drinking a little bit too much because we always want to check their kidneys out and see how well they're concentrating down their urine because that generally is really well connected with their drinking habits and um, so that tells us a lot and then your vet will be able to take it further to blood tests if they need to so they'd be the initial first steps if you're concerned but as I say if he's always done this and he's otherwise super bright in himself and there's no change for him it might be normal but it's no harm to get it checked out Okay best of luck with that Anna and another Anne this time in Canturk she has a 14 year old Yorkie now she is minding two other dogs the male is bossing the Yorkie the two are neutered but the Yorkie is not how can she stop them from fighting because the Yorkie is terrified Oh goodness okay this is a bit tough um, so neutering can sometimes help aggressive situations and it's generally to kind of separate out the dominance um, so usually if there's let's say two dogs you generally try and widen the gap of, of dominance so we will normally neuter the slightly more let's say less dominant dog so that there's an obvious hierarchy in, in the building as it were now in this case things don't seem to have worked out that way so our unneutered Yorkie is, is a little bit worried and that sometimes happens I think some things are down to hormones and it can help a lot if they're castrated but other things are down to personality and that's absolutely fine too we're all different and dogs are all different I think the best thing you could do is to make sure to keep the Yorkie safe is to try and be with them if you can when they're all together because to be honest the main thing is safety for everyone involved and if there is obvious aggression shown towards the Yorkie then we just need to make sure that that Yorkie is kept really safe. Um, It is a really tough one. I think the first thing I'd say is dogs are very resource based so they need basic food, water, sleep. So make sure that they have food and usually if they can eat separately or in separate rooms then that's really helpful because they aren't fighting for the food then and water make sure there's lots of different water bowls around the house so that they're not kind of protecting that resource and they have lots of other options and sleep as well if they're let's say not the best of friends try and split it spread out their sleeping spots if you can if you can give the yorkie somewhere different to go or a few other options for where to rest then that will really help it's really trying to divide up the things that psychologically they're hardwired to try and protect um and that may help a little bit other than that i think it might be worthwhile considering getting a behaviorist involved and um, just speak to your local vet as regards who's kind of accredited and has the appropriate qualifications in the area because i think good advice is really important um but i think initially i would just make sure they have lots of options for their daily needs and then take it from there okay and on whatsapp a person asking what's the easiest way to house train an eight week old puppy now i don't know what breed the puppy is <laughs> that's okay uh, perseverance 
what I would say. <laughs> um, it can be really tough and really frustrating. First of all, congratulations on getting your new puppy. That's really exciting. Um, I think the main thing I would say is it's going to take a little while. And the main factor that impacts upon how quickly your puppy will get trained is perseverance and patience on your part. So they're all a little bit different. Some clock onto it faster than others do. Some take a little while. They don't have full control of their bladder until they're about five, six months of age. So there will be the odd accident and that's not their fault. They just can't hold it. The best way is not to kind of, I, I wouldn't bother messing around with, let's say, moving bits of newspaper or moving, moving little puppy pads like we used to do 10 years ago. The best thing is just to get them started right from the off and take them out to the garden on a really regular basis. Take them out first thing in the morning, last thing at night take them out for a walk after they've had their food, lots of little day trips, and eventually they'll start signaling. It might just be a little bit of looking at the door. It might be standing next to the door. It might be barking if you're really lucky. Um, but they may start to signal that they need to go outside. And once they have done their business outside, give them a load of praise. They are the best dog in the world. Give them a little treat. And then the important thing is don't take them straight back inside because you don't want them to think that peeing or pooing outside, where they should be peeing and pooing, signals the end of the fun. So if they've had a great run around the garden, finally peed and pooed, and you take them back inside, you've ended the fun as soon as they've peed and pooed. And that signals to them that that kind of stops the fun. So you need to stay outside for another three or four minutes after they've done their business so that they know that peeing outside is not a bad thing. Um, I think the main thing is perseverance. If your dog has an accident, don't get angry at it. I think the way I think of it is if my dog has an accident, it may be that they couldn't hold it or I missed the signals. So generally, it's just about being really observant. But you'll get there. It just takes a little time. OK, well, best of luck on that. And as you say, perseverance is a big thing when it comes to young puppies. And very finally, in under two minutes, Marie is on text. She wants to know, is it dangerous to have a Jack Russell's inside nail looking like a hook? I only noticed it last night and she had them cut in January this year. Oh, OK. So that's a little Duplos. So they're almost like the, let's say, uh, a redundant thumb um, that our little dogs have at our front and very occasionally our back legs. Um, if it looks like a hook, it sounds like it definitely needs to be cut. Nails do grow like ourselves. Normally the nails on the feet, they wear down whilst they're in contact with the road or the pavement. It's like a little nail file the whole time. But the little thumb hooks, the little Duplos, they're not in contact with anything to wear down. So they do need to be clipped on a regular basis. Like ourselves, our nails all grow at different rates and the same with the dogs. Sometimes they only clipping every two or three months, sometimes monthly, sometimes every six months. I think if they're ever going to the groomer, normally they will clip the nails, but feel more than free to contact your vet because I'm sure they'll be able to help you out. Uh, well, best of luck. Hopefully they'll be okay. Is it common, for, by the way, for, for dogs to have ingrowing toenails? Uh, is that something? If it's ingrowing, it definitely needs the attention of the vet. If it's yeah. hooked around into the pad, it can happen if they get very long and they'll normally need treatment from a vet fairly ASAP. But if they're just hooked around, it just means they're getting a little bit long and, and that's really, really common. And just to keep an eye on it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. Jim, for the moment, thank you for that. And we'll chat with you again next Thursday. That's Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And that's it from us today. And my thanks to Bernie and Sadie on the phones. And also to you for your calls and texts across the morning. Back with you again tomorrow morning from 10am. Nick Richards, he is next playing Cork's Greatest Hits with you until four. And then Martina Hodunhu is with you from four to seven, driving you home on this Thursday. Thursday afternoon. Back with you again tomorrow.
tomorrow, Friday, when we will be looking at that situation and the calls we get in from Kinsale. Uh, now, I don't know how far out these particular uh, wind turbines are going to be put. I presume they'll be a good bit out. But anyhow, we'll, we'll hear more about concerns in the area and calls we've got following a planning notice that went into the papers this week uh, of an offshore wind farm near Kinsale. Uh, we'll find out if it actually can be seen from the town or the coastal areas so will it make any difference anyhow that and a lot more to come tomorrow uh, from 10am and you can email right across the afternoon Cork today at c103.ie enjoy your Thursday afternoon stay safe I'm John Paul McNamara A lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.